Well, as we're nearing the end of our study of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians, currently in this Rising to the Challenge series, I feel like we're starting to get into uh, free solo climbing territory when it comes to the heights of harmony. Have some of us seen this uh, free solo documentary by National Geographic? Uh, This is a picture here of free solo climber Alex Honnold basically clinging by his fingertips to the, the rock face known as El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. And this is the kind of climbing that is done without ropes, and without harnesses. And when you witness it, you kind of feel like like this is irrational, like no one should be able to attempt this, let alone accomplish it. And yet when you see someone like Alex Honnold do what he can do, um, you can't help but marvel at the possibility and even imagine, you know, what it might be like to have the capacity to do such a thing. And when it comes to the Apostle Paul envisioning his dear friends in Philippi, the kind of harmony that they could experience among them, I feel like that's the kind of territory uh, we're getting in as we near the end of this letter. So today we are picking it up in uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, where you can follow along, where Paul writes this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice Did you hear that? Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, if you've been following along through the series, you know that rejoicing has been a theme throughout the entire letter so far. From chapters 1 to 4, Paul has often been expressing why he's rejoicing and why he's inviting the Philippians to be a people who rejoice along with him. But as as he nears the end of his letter, it's like he, he takes it to a whole other level when he says, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. It's like, always? Really? Doesn't Paul know that that life isn't always worth rejoicing over? Um, Doesn't Paul know that things don't always go the way they should? Doesn't Paul know that that loved ones get sick? You know, that, that, that businesses fail? that landlords give eviction notices, you know, marriages break up, friendships fracture. Well, I think where Paul is going here, when he uh, invites, if not instructs the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always, is he's inviting them to tap into a way of life where even in the face of the most difficult circumstances, even on our worst day, there is always something to be thankful for. This is the the kind of gratitude that theologian Karl Barth describes as, uh, even in the face of difficulty, a defiant nevertheless. That even on our worst day, nevertheless, there is something we can say thank you for. That if the sun rose again this morning, we can say thank you for the sunrise. If the rain is pouring down, you know, literally or figuratively in our lives, we can say thank you for the way the rain helps things grow. That even if our dearest loved one is on their deathbed, we, in the midst of our grief, we can say thank you for the love that we shared. That rejoicing always is a perspective that that always sees something to be grateful for regardless of what is going on in our lives. 
And this kind of gratitude, it contributes to our capacity for harmony together because look at where Paul goes next. In verse five, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. It seems what Paul has come to realize is that a grateful person is a gentle person. That a person who can look at life with this kind of uh, rejoicing, always gratitude is a person who relates to others with a gentle spirit. Because they live with this perspective that they, they have what they need, that they have enough for the moment, and therefore they don't place uh, unfair or unrealistic demands on others and can, can express gentleness among them, creating a greater sense of harmony in our relationships. Now, if that invitation sounds like free solo level climbing, then we better brace ourselves for what Paul says next. We're going to jump ahead just a little bit here to verse six, where Paul writes this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, there's the rejoicing always gratitude again, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do we hear that call? Do not be anxious about anything. Good luck with that. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> right? Like, say what? Do not be anxious about anything. What about all the things in life to be anxious over? Has Paul completely jumped off the cliff here? Well, once again, I think Paul is inspiring the Philippians to tap into a way of life where we can learn to actually uh, convert the anxieties that we face into prayers and petitions with God, converting our anxieties into prayers, con converting our worries into requests, to actually bring every anxiety we ever feel in every situation to God, to the one who is not anxious. And what I, I don't think Paul is saying here when he says, do not be anxious about anything, is that we will never face anxiety, that we'll never face difficulty. In fact, as you, we heard last week, the Philippians were experiencing even some friendships that had been fractured among them, difficulties, things that create stress. But instead, he says in that next line, in every situation, expecting that we're going to need to often in every moment, in, in every stressful situation, actually bring our request to God, to be increasingly people of prayer who, who hand our worries and anxieties over to God, the one who is not anxious. I think prayer, as it says, is about becoming a, a requester of God, but also is about becoming a relator to God. That being a prayerful person uh, increases the depth of our relationship with God so that we can actually experience and tap into the flow of the peace that God wants to provide into our hearts and our minds and our lives. Now, I want to say really carefully here, and for all of us to hear, that, that what I am not saying and what, what Paul isn't saying is that for those of us that maybe especially struggle with worry or anxiety in our lives. Um, this doesn't mean you're somehow disobeying a Bible verse like this one 
or if you're aspiring to be a person of faith. Your anxiety doesn't mean uh, that you somehow don't have enough faith. Instead, this is a vision as part of a holistic life in community and with the supports of therapy and spiritually in our relationship with, with God where we take every anxiety that we face as often as we face them and we seek to bring them to God. We convert them to prayers to be requesters of and relators to God that can participate in the peace that he wants to provide. And once again, this way of life I think it contributes to our capacity for harmony, taking our capacity for harmony to all new heights. Because in the same way that a, a grateful person is a gentle person, what we see here is that a prayerful person over time can continually and increasingly become a peaceful person. That a person who uh, regularly takes their anxieties to God to kind of give them over to God and invite that exchange of God's peace in their lives, now doesn't project their anxieties onto others in the same way. Or doesn't start to look at other people as the, the sole source or cause of their anxiety and they engage more peacefully. They can sow seeds of peace into their relationships. So a grateful person is a gentle person. And a prayerful person increasingly becomes a peaceful person, giving us the capacity to reach new heights of harmony together. This is the, the call, the invitation we see in this passage to rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And to not be anxious about what? Anything. Because we bring all of our anxiety to God in exchange for his peace. Now, if this seems like almost, you know, impossible, if not irrational, free solo climbing, um, but something we want to aspire to, what I want to be clear about is that I don't think this is about being inauthentic. Well, it may seem beyond rational. It's not about being inauthentic or insincere. Who this isn't, to give us an example, is Ned Flanders. I'm sure uh, many of us are aware of the popular character Ned Flanders from the TV show The Simpsons. Um, Ned was the over-the-top uh, evangelical Christian, hi-diddly-doo neighborino, uh, next-door neighbor of The Simpsons family. And Ned uh, is a person who seems to live with this, this need to just always be cheerful and always uh, look on the bright side, kind of this shiny, plastic way of being um, that bottles everything up kind of to the ignorance or suppression of the difficulty of life. And there's this infamous episode called Hurricane Nettie, where when the circumstance of Ned's life became just too difficult, everything he was holding in exploded on the people around him in a way that wasn't gentle and wasn't peaceful. Um, this isn't about holding everything in in sort of a, a pretend inauthentic way. It's actually about letting everything out, um, naming the things we can truly, legitimately, even on our worst days, the small things we can be thankful for and thanking God for them. And it's about letting out, naming, confessing, praying about the things that we are anxious over, offering them to God and asking for God's peace to come into our lives. Um, this isn't about being inauthentic. This is not about being like Ned Flanders. This is actually about the authentic credibility of someone like the Apostle Paul. Because um, we remember where Paul was writing this letter from to his friends in Philippi. 
Philippi, Paul was writing from a Roman prison cell, far away from his friends, locked up, chained day and night, on trial for his life, with much to be afraid of or bitter about or anxious about. And yet he expressed this this ability to rejoice always and to, to bring his anxieties to God in prayer. And not only was Paul credible in this letter he was writing, but the Philippians had seen his firsthand authentic credibility a decade earlier. When you can read about this in Acts chapter 16, um, the Philippian church was actually born and multiplied out of an experience that Paul and his companion had in a Philippian prison where they were singing and rejoicing to God and God worked miraculously to multiply their church through that experience. This is about the authentic credibility of someone like the Apostle Paul and far more, this is about the incarnational completeness of the person and way of Jesus. Jesus was a person who, uh, when he lived, didn't always have a consistent place to rest his head. He was thoroughly dependent on the the hope for hospitality and provision of others. And Jesus regularly faced accusation and insults and and attack, all within uh, being part of a people in this enemy-occupied territory that eventually cost him his life for the way he was demonstrating the love of God. And yet Jesus went about the world with a gentle spirit, um, a peaceful way about him, And he said things uh, to his followers like, um, don't worry. Don't worry about this life, about uh, what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Don't worry about tomorrow. Instead, he said things like, look around. Look at the birds and how they're provided for. Look at the flowers and their beauty. And let these, these gifts in our lives help us turn our attention to our heavenly father, whom we can thank for the goodness in our lives and who we can trust and, and pray to for the requests and needs that we have. We can turn our worries into wonder in relating to our heavenly father who is watching over us. This is the way of life, the Jesus way of life that Paul is inviting us to, rejoicing in the Lord always um, and turning, not being anxious about anything, but turning every anxiety into a prayer to our heavenly father so that we can achieve the heights of harmony that he has for us. I can remember um, back in the spring of 2020, right in the earliest weeks of the pandemic, you know, the stress that we were all feeling and I felt like I was carrying it heavily as well. You know, there's obviously anxiety about the virus itself and the the system, the the healthcare pressures we were experiencing. It's relational distance, trying to figure out how we convert our lives to to digital connection and community, um, as well as the mounting just tensions and polarization that we were all just beginning to feel. And I remember a particular day uh, in April, this was just, a, you know, about a month in where it was just weighing on me sort of in a paralyzing fashion. Um, it was a beautiful spring day. I remember it being gorgeous out and I kind of mustered up the energy to, to go for a jog, do one of the things we could do, kind of get outside on your own, um, sort of letting off, burning off some emotional steam. And as I was jogging along the path near our house, um, for some reason, kind of in an unusual way, this robin 
that was sort of scuttling along the path at my pace caught my attention. And, and the robin was just going about her business, her spring work of building her nest. And as the robin caught my attention, all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, this impulsive question shouted in my head saying, do the birds even know what we're going through? Right? We're dealing with this global trauma event. Our life is turned upside down. We're watching the news 24-7. We're wiping down our groceries with wipes. We can't touch our face. Do the birds even know what we're going through? Do the birds even know what we're going through? <sighs> Do the birds even know what we're going through? I know it's a weird question. It's probably an irrational question. Um, it's probably a question that was more reflective of my mental state in the moment. But as it came to me, and it moved at first from this like angry accusation um, to a gentle curiosity, it almost became this like divine revelation. Where in that moment I was reminded of the words of Jesus when he said, "Look at the birds." Look, look around you and see what you can be thankful for, of how God wants to provide and care for you in this moment. And as that sort of began to happen, I, I found myself starting to say thanks for that robin. Thanks for that beautiful day and the creation around me. Thanks that I had enough strength and some time to, to get out for a jog. And all those anxieties that were weighing on me, I started to kind of give them over to God and say, God, please be in control of this or please help me figure that out or I trust tomorrow's problem will, will somehow be okay. And it's like I started to experience this exchange of all of my anxiety for a sense of release and a sense of peace in that moment. And probably what um, compelled or affected me more than anything is through all of that, I was just overcome and reminded of the fact that God was with me. That Jesus was, was there, was near to me and wanting to uh, do that work in my heart. And friends, that's actually Paul's kind of point in this passage, the big idea of this passage. Because embedded right in the middle, I sort of intentionally skipped past it before, but embedded right in the back half of verse five, kind of Paul all of a sudden blurts out and declares, the Lord is near. Scholars confess that they don't know exactly why Paul sort of said that right there. That's uh, the kind of thing Paul would say, um, but some say, oh, it seems like it's an outflow of the rejoicing, you know, because the Lord is near. Others would say it, it seems to be a, a setup to why we don't need to be anxious about anything because, because God is near. Um, but either way, what they agree on is that it is the center of the text. You can kind of see that depicted here, that it is buried right in the middle, intended to be the center of Paul's invitation here. To me, it's, it's what connects the idea of the fact that we can rejoice in the Lord. We can always say thank you for something because at the very least, God is with us. It also connects to this idea of God's peace coming to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Because the Lord is near. Because Jesus is here and with us. It's the center of the text. It's the center of Paul's life. 
And it was what he was calling the Philippians to make the center of their community so that they could be a people that rejoiced in the Lord always and were gentle with one another and brought their anxieties to God so they could be peace at peace and peaceful with one another to experience a height of harmony beyond what they could imagine, beyond what any of us could rationalize. Friends, that is our invitation to to be a people that rejoice in the Lord always and together bringing our anxieties to God all because the Lord is near. The good news of Jesus is not the promise of an easy path, but an eternal presence. I want to say that again, especially for any of us facing, you know, significant difficulties and anxieties right now. The good news of Jesus is is not the promise of an easy path, And that's why Jesus walked the hardest path all the way to the cross to demonstrate God's love and presence with us. It's not a promise of an easy path, but an eternal presence, a God of love in Christ who is with us in all things. So what are you thankful for today? Thank God for it. Rejoice in the Lord for it. And what are you feeling anxious about today? Pray about it. Bring it to God. Offer it to God. Cast it over to the one who cares for you, who is not anxious. And can we do this together? I think a community uh, who rejoices together always and prays together continually, especially in the face of difficulty, uh, is a community who can reach the heights of harmony, the likes of which the world has never seen. It's all made possible because of Jesus at the center, Jesus being near to us and with us. The Lord is near. I want to invite our our bands to be able to come up to the stage. In a moment, uh, they're going to lead us in a song of, of rejoicing and joy and gladness and thanksgiving that I think is an appropriate response But as they get ready for that, rather than have me just kind of close this this message with with my own prayer, um, I want to give you a moment to pray right now. As you're comfortable, I invite you to close your eyes just as a way to uh, center yourself, be mindful, be present, be prayerful. Um, I want to invite you to really think, what are you thankful for today? Maybe today has been difficult or um, this week has been one of your worst or this season, but what can you be thankful for today? Maybe that you're here right now, maybe for the friend that brought you, maybe for the coffee you sipped this morning, an encouraging word that was given to you this week. Um, Let's be really specific. I invite you to just have a moment and, and pray and thank God for that thing. Similarly, what are you anxious for today? I probably don't need to give you a list because I'm sure things have come to mind. It may be one thing. It may be 10 things. Um, It may feel like it's something dumb to be anxious over. It may seem like it should be a good thing in your life, but it's creating pressure or anxiety. Offer it to God. Say, God, I'm anxious about this. Name it. And say, God, can can you give me your peace? And participate in that every moment, every situation, prayer and petition to God of giving your anxiety to God. 
and in all of these prayers, in our rejoicing and our requests, may we know that God is with us. The Lord is near to you. Jesus is near and with us. And we can be grateful for his presence. And we can find peace and calm and rest because of his presence and his care watching over, over us. Just we thank you that you are with us and we thank you that you uh, take our anxieties upon you and we, we want to participate in a way of life where we can experience that together, rising to the heights of harmony. May we be able today to be able to rejoice and be glad in you and this time, this space, this day that you have given us because of your goodness and your love for us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.